0: I will do it for you, Chalupa. That's the song that's playing in that's
1: the background. That's the song that
0: plays for all our happy gays. You're listening to That Gets My Goat.
1: Yeah, what was the, oh, it was the, the Micromorts, or it was that one about Risk, that thing that I mentioned. Sauce, Vsauce. Vsauce, yeah, I, I watched that. I was telling You've got to send me a link to that because, you Oh, know, you've never seen it? No, but you've oh. told me countless times. I put the link on to the post with the show where we mentioned it. Right, but I don't <laughs> have anything to do with that. I
0: just do the show, and then it's like, okay, I'll trust that he posted it. But yeah,
1: I showed it to the dude, this dude that I work with. And I was saying, you ought to check these out because these are really cool because I was just talking about the stuff that he mentioned in there again, and then we just watched it. Yeah, he talks about, like, statistics of, you know, how did they work it out? I think they may have gone to a website or something where you go to the website and it will tell you when you will die based on the average of when, you know, how people your age should die and all this stuff. And it said, this is the mean or whatever. You will die on this date, 1959 or whatever. And then he goes, you know, the sad thing is, Based on the statistics, a hundred people that are watching this show today will be dead by this time next year. Oh whoa! And you know, (laughs) we're just talking like it's just like (laughs) that's that's really weird to think.
0: You're listening to that gets my goat. Do we want to introduce ourselves, or should
1: we just? Oh shoot! We're recording, aren't we? Yeah. Do you want none of this on there? Oh, that doesn't. That's not supposed to be on there. (laughs) We were talking about the ankle cast that we recorded which is something totally different that gets my goat
0: hello everybody
1: now i sound like kermit
0: hey ho hey everybody hi ho that's welcome everybody
1: to the show i'm big anklevich
0: yay yay see you do it a little better but you're actually not doing an impression so (laughs) and i'm rashad field that's just how i say yay Speaking of Kermit, somebody on Facebook yesterday posted, and it's from like 1974, but this little girl with Kermit doing the alphabet song, mm-hmm. where she it goes, A, B, C, D, E, F, Cookie Monster. And he goes, Cookie Monster's not a letter of the alphabet? A- anyway, it had like an explanation of how... This was totally ad-libbed. The little girl just thought it was really funny to say Cookie Monster. And there was actually one moment when Henson breaks and, and stops being Kermit for a split second. And you can see it, you know, here and all that. Because he was getting fed up on the fourth or fifth time that she said Cookie Monster. And she'd giggle every single time. And so finally he says, okay, if you want to do it with Cookie Monster, you do it. I'm out of here. And he starts to leave. And then she says, I love you. And he turns around and he's like, "I love you too." And she kisses Kermit, and oh my gosh, I was bawling, dude. <laughs> I don't know who this was that posted it. If it was you, I'm sorry that it I don't wasn't remember me. you. No, no, no. Uh-oh. Whoever, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You know that, that I don't remember who you were, but I was bawling, man. And, and then I read the description, and it made me want to watch it again so I could see that moment when Henson breaks uh-huh. and he stops being Kermit and he becomes. Jim Henson saying, "Okay, hey, I didn't sign up for this. That's where All right, stop effing <laughs> saying Cookie Monster." Yeah, that's where
1: he uses the F word.
0: <laughs> that's where he's like, "Oh, come
1: on, you fucking
0: kid! This is horseshit. Let's get Frank in here to do this." So, <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I, I don't know why. Oh, because you, you, you are Kermit most of the time. Anyway, this is that gets my goat, and. uh I guess this is a, a totally random episode, but I, that's okay. Well, most of them are, unless they're movie review episodes, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's funny. One person had posted, I want to say on the forum somewhere, where he's like, yeah, I haven't done the, that gets my goat, because it looks like your your format is just that you're complaining about things, and that kind of show doesn't really do it for me, so I, I He doesn't bothered. like negativity, I think he and said. And I was just like, maybe I ought to tell him that that's not really what it's like. It's kind of a nothing we may have started like that was maybe episodes one through five but that's probably about as far as we got with that theme before it started branching out and we just talk about whatever subject interests us whether it be movies sometimes it's even been books no it hasn't yes we talked about certain writers books all right if you say so and it wasn't even a cisgendered white male writer either.
0: Uh uh uh.
1: Do we want to talk about that? Or? No, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. We're going to talk about what we started in with the uh, the theme for How this one. Insurance
0: companies are the devil.
1: I don't. <laughs> I I don't remember. See, we. Uh,
0: <laughs> see. Okay, but let me interject. That gets my goat. For me, is just a show where we can get together it's an excuse for us to podcast and they're just way 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 more that gets my goats than there are Dune steves because we don't have to get other people in we don't have to ask for lines and wait for lines and say oh you know what you could hear one of your children defecating in the background can you please do the lines again <laughs> and then three weeks later it's like hey we really need those lines because you know you're the only oh, oh you got them already well how come we don't have them you don't you didn't really record them did you okay then why did you say that you already had them couldn't you just say okay uh, within a week you'll have the lines to us and then actually do it that's why we don't have doing steves plus we have to find stories and all that stuff and that's difficult this we can just start it recording the fact that you and i are here means that we have a show and I, to me that's i don't know the the weight is off
1: yeah it's nice it's easy it's basically our show minus a story is basically all that gets my goat is we can do a show without having to do all the work that is required to produce a story which is you know it's a fair amount of work having a story is really cool and i think you mentioned on one of your outcasts how you feel guilty when you don't have a story on there and i have to admit that it's more awesome i feel like there's really something to give to people when you have a story as part of the show and I can understand even some of those people where they're like, nah, I just like to listen to the shows that have stories. Which is unfortunate because I bet a lot of them have never even tried listening to The Outcast because they don't realize that it's a, it's not just like That Gets My Goat without Big Anklevich. But, uh, you know, whatever.
0: Well, like we did the Michael Jackson episode of The Steve recently. And that's basically That Gets My Goat. <laughs> yeah, where we is. just talk about Michael Jackson. We talk so little about the story and i felt bad when i was editing it because we go on for a long long time and we almost never talk about Munzee's story and i, I sort of blamed myself for that cuz i you know we did it we weren't together when we did it and i sort of let the time get away from us and I, I looked up on wikipedia things about michael jackson instead of you know being focused on well what did this super short story you know what did it have to say or what what interesting points did it bring up but, yeah, that, I mean, that's what That Gets My Goat is. It's not scripted, and we just, whatever we happen to talk about is what that episode is. I, I feel bad that people don't want to listen to the show, but, I mean, that's what made our show, what made the Steve different from other people's shows was us going on and on and on and our personalities and making it like a radio show. Right. And the That Gets My Goat part is the radio show.
1: Yeah, it's that's that's what that gets my goat. Is it's an interesting thing us getting on and blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, just talking. Because especially that gets my goats and some of those other things where we don't really have something to pin us down, something to keep us in place. We can just talk about whatever we want. Because sometimes we say stuff that I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't, or maybe we, if we thought about it, we might not, mm. or something. That's probably something that just has, happens because of the way our show is, where we just talk about things in free form. Even with just the Steve, the main show, you know, we have a story and then we talk a lot afterwards. And yeah, we, we'll say things that might be, I don't know, might be embarrassing, might be, I don't know, it's a weird thing because we're podcasting, which is, it's out there, but it's also not, just gonna come to you you know what i mean it's something you kind of have to seek out you have to go and subscribe to it yeah it's not like you're just changing through the radio station right
0: and you hear something you pause Uh uh-huh yeah
1: you don't flip through the stations and come across it people aren't talking about it you don't hear your friends talking about dune steve and you need to see the most recent dune steve or listen to the most recent dune steve so you can be part of the conversation around the water cooler or whatever you know, it's a niche. It's a very small niche kind of a thing. There's only a few. And, it, and it's a worldwide available thing. But, you know, tops, I'd say there's maybe 5,000 people in the world that know about the Doonstief. When you compare that to the 5 billion or however many people there are on the world. I think it's not quite 5 billion, but I think it's more like 2.
0: So we've, what do you mean? There's, there's more than 6 billion people in
1: is there the world. Okay, I don't know the numbers. I was thinking it was lower. But oh, anyways, um, you know, when you compare that, it's it's an infinitesimal number of people that hear the show. So you feel a little liberated, a little free to say whatever you want. But it can come back and, and bite you in the butt, I suppose, because it's available to whoever wants to listen to it. Yeah, most of the time we never hear
0: any feedback on the show at all, especially that gets my go because again it's difficult well it takes work to give us feedback either to send an email or to comment on the show or to go register for the forums and and then express your pleasure or displeasure but people occasionally do there was one just the other day for it would surprise me because it was an episode we'd done o I I I thought it was over a year ago I don't know but he didn't like uh I, well he didn't like some statement that we made or some belief that we had on there and yeah, it had been so long. I didn't, I didn't remember. You had to remind me in what context he, <laughs> he had problems with it. But, but, you know, there have been notorious episodes and episodes that had people had problems with and, and almost never that, that gets my goats. It's always the Steve show, which is the main show. What do we call that? The flagship show? <laughs> yeah. I think that was your phrase for it. You know, I used to complain, I guess, about my cousin when the Doonstief first, when the Uh, that gets my ghost first started because he wasn't a creative person and he, he wasn't an analytical person. He's just like, Oh, that's cool. Or that sucks. You know what I mean? He never examined why, and that's no longer the case. Now he, he, he forms these opinions and, and he at least has this is why I feel you're wrong or this is why, you know, I love Vin Diesel or whatever it is. And, (laughs) but he, I guess he listened to that gets my goat and he, he did not like what I said about him, and I, I didn't know what to say. I was just like, well, "Oh, you know, I that was a long time ago that I said that. I, I didn't really remember that I said that. But I never, for a second, thought you would hear <laughs> me say that. You know, you don't form an opinion unless you hear it in a podcast and somebody tells you this is what you feel. Anyway, I, I, that was surprising, and, and it seems like you used to always be afraid that that sort of thing would happen with you
1: yeah i'm i still am to tell you the truth it's like i'll I'll tell you a story back when i was in high school i had a thing against swearing cursing which has kind of gone away now i didn't like it when people did it and i would get after them if they did it around me i didn't care what they did when they weren't around me basically but i had this girlfriend (laughs) And, uh, one time I was just talking with her and out of the blue, she dropped an F-bomb and I was like, whoa. And she immediately was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, did you forget who you were talking to there for a second? And she's like, Uh, I suppose I did. And it's like, you know how you, you wear like a mask, a certain face around this person, a different face around this person, a different face around, you put forth persona. When you're at work, you act a certain way. And, you know, because you have to or whatever, you can't act the way you really are when you're at work because that wouldn't be proper and you'd get fired or something. And then when you're in, you know, this setting with your friends, you can, you know, let it hang out or whatever. But you wouldn't tell your friends about how you feel about pride and prejudice because they would make fun of you. Yes, I would. And so you don't talk about that when you're with your friend, that kind of thing where you have certain faces... And admittedly, and I think it's the same for you as it is for me, you have a certain face, a certain mask, a certain persona that you put on when you're podcasting, that, and you say things that you would say that, you know, when you're podcasting that you wouldn't say in other places. And there's a reason why I go by the name Big Anklevich on this podcast, and a lot of it has to do with work. I don't want those two things to ever come together. I don't want the person that I am on the podcast to become known to the people that I work with. Because I, you know, I've heard enough stories about people who, I don't know, on their blog, they said something about work. And then somebody from work read their blog, and then they were fired from their job because of what they said on their blog. Kind of a thing. I don't know that I've ever said anything that would get me fired, but it would, I think probably change people's opinions of me perhaps at work which uh i don't you know need that (laughs) it's hard enough to get by in this world without shooting yourself in the foot like that as well so i use that so that the people that i work with can't just search me up if they ever felt if my boss ever wanted and that's apparently something that bosses do these days Maybe not to their existing employees as much as to people they're hiring, but they search your name, they Google your name, they do background checks. And I suppose if they hired somebody to do a background check on me, they'd probably be able to come up with my podcast and figure out that this is me and that is me kind of a thing and link it. If somebody really tried, they'd be able to figure out who I am, but... You know, somebody randomly Googling me is probably not going to be led to the podcast, which I think is a good thing. I, 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 You know, it's you have to have that certain face, you know, that you show to the certain people to make things work. It's like they talk about white lies, you know. It's not supposed to be okay to tell lies, but it is okay to tell lies, and sometimes it's necessary. It's absolutely crucial that you tell people lies. Because if you just say the truth, you're going to hurt a lot of feelings a lot of times in this world. You know, when the woman puts on the clothes and says, do I look fat in this? You sure as hell do not say yes. You know, you might be able to somehow politically say, no, I don't, you don't look fat, but I don't think that that suits you or something like that. Find some other way to, to steer them away from that outfit. But you sure as hell don't tell her she looks fat. because it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well for anybody. You're going to hurt her feelings. She's going to be mad at you. And then you're going to be in the doghouse and et cetera, et cetera. And I guess that's the same kind of thing as putting on the certain faces. <sighs> if somehow somebody finds you in the wrong mask somehow, it seems like it would be a bad thing. Like the people from work who you put on the one mask for. I don't know, they go to the bar with you and your friends and see you act the way you do with your friends. It could change things a lot, and not necessarily for the good. Maybe it's for the good, maybe it's not. But it definitely will change things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird to think that. I Like you were talking about your cousin, I have some nephews who at one time at least, way back when we started the show... I know they said that they would listen to the show. They had listened or they well, they would like to listen? They had listened and they okay. listened to it on a regular basis kind of a thing, they said. Now, these nephews of mine are open-minded and, you know, they're... If somebody said, okay, you can pick one set of family members to be the ones to listen to the show, they would probably be the ones that I would pick because, you know, they would see the mask and think no that's cool i like that mask it's kind of like mardi gras like cool <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they would be the people that would understand and wouldn't i don't think their opinion of me would be lowered because of hearing the show but it still made me gave me pause i guess is the right phrase for it, it made me worry a little bit should do i want them to listen to it should I tell them not to? Do I chase them away? Well, conversely, though, does that
0: influence what you say on the show? Where you're like, normally I would make a joke right here, but on the off chance that my nephew is listening, I'm not going to make the joke. I mean, see, see, that's a, a decision that we've had to make lots of times. Just as far as like, what do we cut out of the show? What what is okay to say, and all that stuff. And and our show is ostensibly intended to entertain people. Right. And so when you say, you know, we put on a mask, I put on a guy that tries to be funny mask Uh when we do our show. And sometimes that guy says things that are over the line, or sometimes, you know, it's just like, well, I'm going to try to be funny here. And so, you know, with any attempt at humor there is the possibility that you know it won't be funny or that it will rub people the wrong way you know i did this whole i mean it was it was a rant it was whatever a big version of a rant is on my show i mean it was humongous it was the biggest thing i had ever done on the uh, on that show about comedy because somebody had said that i uh, I didn't know the difference between being offensive and being funny. I think that's what it was. And and so I was just kind of just talking about what I find funny and what offends people. And, and you know, I decided I was going to lay the cards on the table. This was going to be an intimate, every, all or nothing. You know, I was going to be all in and not hedge any bets. And, you know, what I mean, it's like a confessional. That's what it was. It wasn't a rant. Uh-huh. It was a confessional. And, I mean, I... I haven't heard a lot of feedback on that show, <laughs> but one crazy thing that I did hear was my uncle somehow listened to that show. And in that show, I talk about how my uncle could get away with murder and he was the least reverent guy I knew. And I, I don't know if I said it on the show or if we just talked about it afterward, uh, but he, he heard this and he, he was upset by it. That I could say those things, you know. It's like, well, hey, I I, I wouldn't say I'm the, the the least reverent person, you know. I mean, come on, and I wanted to say, hey, dude, you you grabbed my ass during the Thanksgiving prayer, you know, <laughs> thanking for the food or whatever. I mean, it's like, what what is the definition of irreverent then, you know, kind of thing. You know, he 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 didn't. Like, the same as my cousin, he didn't appreciate that. He said something about, I guess I. I Talked about, you know, my dad being a bigot or closed-minded or humorless or an a-hole or whatever in that. And he's like, Your dad's a really good guy, man. You know, it's like you you shouldn't feel this. You're you're dead and suddenly I'm like, oh crap. You know, I somebody I know, you know, in that the somebody saw me with my mask off, right? Ryan. And with the other mask on. With the other mask on. But that guy that did that podcast, the Comedy Is Hard. That's me. That was me without a mask on. Okay. You know what I mean? That, Uh I didn't feel like the need to dissemble at all. It was who I am. It was a journal entry or whatever that I chose to podcast and be as intimate as possible. And and yeah, on my Rish Outcasts, sometimes I do just ramble and I do start to say like really private stuff because I forget. You're not in the room. You know what I mean? I'm alone and I forget that somebody may hear this. And you know, there's probably been a couple of things where I've, I've edited, edited, the, I have cut them out. <laughs> but for the most part, it's in there. And like the one I recorded today, I talked about, and you've heard this story, but I talked about the girl who wrote me the letter that I didn't read until graduation. I didn't know that I had this letter until she asked me, you never said anything about the letter. And I said, what, what letter? And then she's like, oh, you need to check your inbox. And I guess three months before she had written this letter to me about going after what you want in life and, and, and that, you know, that I have all this potential and this talent. And, you know, I don't I need to stop being an effing coward kind of basically is what it was. And and, yeah, I don't tell that story to a lot of people, but I told it on the podcast and about halfway through, I was just like, oh. Is this too
1: much? Is this... You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? Because Crap, now I'm halfway through and I have to finish. And,
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you do the ankle cast and you did the ankle cast before I ever did the Rish Outcast, which is, I mean, the whole name is just a play on your ankle cast.
1: I think those two names are awesome, by the way. I was just thinking about that. The fact that we could take a cast... And make it work with our names so awesomely. That's just cool. Sorry, go on.
0: <laughs> but, I, I, you know, if the Doonstief is our flagship, and then, you know, that gets my goat is, you know, a ship of the line, I don't know. Well, the the ones that we do by ourselves, those are the submarines, or those are, you know, the spy vessels, or whatever it is. I mean, it's just... I don't expect everybody to listen to The Rich Outcast. I only expect the people who are who really get me or really like my sense of humor or the, like the sound of my voice to listen to it. You know what I mean? It's like the Gino Morettos are going to listen to The Rich Outcast. And and the unworthy are not going to listen to it.
1: You just did that thing where you said Gino Moretto's. Oh, a, you know there we more than one of them. We did an episode did about, that. about that. You hate that, and I find I do it a lot. Yeah, I don't,
0: I, but but because everybody does it. Yeah. Now it's just become a part of the vernacular. The you know the Bill Nyes of the world, the the Tyson <laughs> what's his name, the Neil Degrassi Tyson Degrassi Junior Highs of the world, do the. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know if there needs to be a line. A line where it's like, okay, you shall not cross. Whether it's language or whether it's certain topics that we're not going to talk about or whatever. But, like, Tom Tancredi sent me this list of questions. And you already know about this, right? I do. He sent me a 20-question list. That contains 400 questions. And they're not just, you know, hey, what's your favorite Ghostbuster? They're like questions like deep deeper questions about you know where my name came from and what my greatest regret is and boners and stuff like that and i i
1: (laughs) how many boners do you get each day
0: yeah the guy that was question 18 but are they all the same size or are some more (laughs) flaccid than others (laughs) i don't know why he asked these questions (laughs) but because he took the time to ask these questions i felt like okay i'm gonna give him the answers that these questions deserve. And uh, you know where I'm going with this. You and I are friends because of this. You and I were hundreds of miles apart, and the only way we stayed in touch was through emails. And instead of just like, hey, how you doing, man? You have a good weekend? It was like big, long, this is the thing that bugs me about my wife, emails. (laughs) And because I was like, oh, this guy cares enough to actually talk about something instead of just, you know, something that you, something that someday some guy's going to invent Twitter and someday you're going to be able to fit this in a tweet message because he's not doing that. I know that this guy really cares. And so I would send really gargantuan responses back. And so I felt like, well, I'm going to do that with Tom Tancredi. And I don't know if that was a mistake or not, but they, the the response was so massive that I was like, well, I'm going to do this. As a rich outcast, so that everybody can find out about me, and yeah, I, I don 't know if that was a mistake or not, because the boner one <laughs> who who might be listening? And it's like, "Oh, you know, three boners in a day doesn't seem like a lot." Or three boners <laughs> in a day, what
1: the heck? this guy needs <laughs> electroshock therapy. When we started the podcast, it was two thousand eight, right? Yeah which means my oldest child was 8 years old at the time.
0: And now he's 41.
1: He's 41 now, but, yeah, so obviously at the time that we started it, when he was 8, it wasn't his thing. He wasn't interested. None of my kids were interested. I forced my wife to voice characters when we first started, but it wasn't her thing either. She didn't really like doing... When I say I forced her... It it really was forced. It was like me standing over her with a broken broom handle, <laughs> whacking her if she, you know, talked back to me. So I think as soon as she was given the opportunity to walk away, she was really glad to do it. She doesn't like listening to audio books, so I don't expect her to ever listen to the show. And so... I probably have said a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't have said because I expect that she'll never listen to the show. I'm to the point where I don't want her to ever listen to the show because I'm sure it will bite me in the rear end. I will say rear end just in case she ever listens to the show and hears some of the things that I regularly say. There are a lot of times, and I know you have disapproved mightily when I take something and I think "Eh, I'm going to cut that little bit out after you've gone through and done your edit then I go through and like snip maybe a tiny little thing here and there and you're just like why the hell did Big cut that out what a piece of crap he sucks keep going Um, (laughs) you're on a roll and I'll I'll do that basically I'm not basically it's just a CYA thing You know, I'm trying to cover my butt because maybe it's somebody out there. Maybe uh, somebody will be offended that I don't know, which is much more likely, obviously, since mostly it's people I don't know that listen to the show. Or maybe, you know, someday somebody that I do know will listen to the show. And if that happens, it's all the more likely that they will be offended by, by something like that. So sometimes I would cut things like that out. You know, when I talk about my my kids, they don't listen to the show, but they're not eight or six or four anymore. My oldest son is now turning 15, and hell, he's going to start driving a car this year. Pretty soon, he'll be completely out of my control. He will be on his own. He will be able to do whatever he wants. Most likely listening to the doonstief audio fiction magazine won't be high on those priorities (laughs) maybe for a long maybe not until i'm dead will he ever consider hey you know i'd never listen to that podcast but maybe that would make me understand what my dad was like and what drove him to suicide yeah but there may come a time that my kids say hey you know i should listen to that i should check that out that might be interesting to to hear my dad's podcast and that thought makes me a little nervous there may come a day when suddenly my kids come to me with some questions, and the worst part is I won't remember saying whatever it was I said that was 15 years ago or eight, seven, whatever years ago. You know, will just be like, oh, uh, it was Rish's fault. He told me to say that. That'll probably I'll probably have to just keep saying that over and over again. Which you know, I'm definitely gonna throw Rish under the bus when it comes to anything to save my hide. Unfortunately, I just recorded that onto this podcast, so now I'm screwed. That excuse isn't going to work, because they'll hear this one and know that it's a lie. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but this is years (laughs) after the episode that heard that offended him,
1: where Um, you say, boobies are neat. So, I don't know. It makes me, it does make me a little worried that someday somebody will finally say, you know, maybe I should listen to that show and learn a little more about Big Anklevich well, can, let's,
0: let's, let's segue us let Let's see what he's second. like
1: with that mask on, because I've never seen that mask. Ooh, like, it's Mardi Gras. <laughs>
0: yes, there you go.
1: <laughs> and see, and I've got the
0: jester the, the mask on. <laughs> it's got the pointy cat's eye kind of things going on with it. Cool. But see, uh, if we can segue into our writing uh-huh. here, though, uh, ah, geez, just to have to censor yourself or hold yourself back or... Or imagine who might, what might someone think? It seems like that's got to stifle your creativity. That's got to put well chains on your muse, or a straitjacket on her, or you know, an, one an of those, iron
1: maiden at this point. One and,
0: of those uh,
1: Hannibal Lecter masks. And, there you and, go. Yeah, and the whole and where they have to wheel them in on the handcart. That's right. That's, Love what your, that's what your muse. That's what your muse looks like.
0: I. I. That's how I feel. I. There have been times. When I've really censored myself or pulled my punches or done whatever because, I don't know, my mom might read it or because, what might someone think of me? But I don't anymore. It it is, oh, I hate people that say it is what it is. But the story is what it wants to be.
1: (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I hate people that say it is what it wants to be.
0: Uh, nobody says that, you I asshole. I like
1: people that say it is what it is.
0: <laughs> the story wants to be, you know, a story for adults, or the story wants to be gory, or the story wants to be about butts, you know? And so, I I don't know. It's just, I, I, I respect writers and the, the, the written word enough to be like, okay, you know what? only grown-ups need read this i don't know it's like abby hilton would say on her cowry catchers
1: you know this is a what was it this is a story for grown-ups you would find it in the adult section of the library
0: and you know okay when you say it
1: to debbie does when you say it
0: that way it sounds condescending as hell and when abby says it it sounds condescending as hell but she's right this is a warning hey this is a story for grown-ups And if you're not a grown-up, you know, it's just like she's saying it to a (laughs) five-year-old. If you think you might get offended, Tommy then you probably will. And and she is totally right. There are people who choose to get offended. There are people who choose to get upset. There are people who are like, oh, I saw Big Anklevich over there in that how-to-be-a-good-husband seminar, and yet here he used the word shit. He is not a good... And it's like, what does it have to do with anything? It wasn't him that said shit. It was a character that he wrote
1: that said shit. Sorry. In, In Abby's defense...
0: Oh, no, I was defending I Abby. No,
1: I'm just saying, okay. her previous book was for children. And then she wrote this book, set in the same world, but not for children. Oh, okay, so that's a good point. So she does have to give them a little... That's uh, a good point. Uh, a little, you know, warning. But, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's oh, it's so hard to deal with that. You know, um, one of my favorite books growing up was Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah, I think we've talked about Ender's Andrew Game a bunch game of times. Ender's Game was written by Orson Scott Card. Orson Scott Card is a Mormon. Mormons have a lot of certain standards, and I've heard and I've, I've read stuff where Orson Scott Card talks about that exact thing, how people look at him differently because he writes stories about people. People, all people are different. All people will do different things. Some people will say shit. And you'll find that in Orson Scott Card's books. A person that says shit. And I think he doesn't believe in using that word himself because he's a Mormon, I'm pretty sure. But to be an honest writer, and I've I've seen, I want to say articles or whatever you want to call it in, in a writing magazine or something like that where he talks about how you just have to be true. To your characters and you have to be true to your story and you have to tell the story. You can't pull your punches because what would... And Gladys. And Gladys. What would my uh, sister say? What would the person at church say if they read this story? And I'm willing to bet that he probably has a lot of trouble when he goes to church. Of people just looking down on him because of this... Dirty guy said this dirty thing in his dirty book. Well, see, he can't win though, because somebody who's
0: not a religious guy says Orson's got cards a religious nut job. All he thinks about is Jesus and Virgin Mary and 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 Sacagawea, who shouldn't even be <laughs> part of the Trinity. And you know what I mean? So we can't win, because the religious guys go, hey, this guy's not religious enough. This guy's like a normal, dirty person. And the di- normal, dirty per- people say, this guy's all religious. Yeah. He's- and
1: if he didn't have his characters be themselves, no one would read his stuff. They'd read it and be like, this sucks. This guy is not acting like a real person. And they would put it down and walk away. And... I have to admit, I've run into that in my own life. I remember, and this goes way back. In high school, we had to write a story for a creative writing class that I had. And mostly, I didn't do any writing for this creative writing class. It was one of those classes. Yeah, it's. Or were were you a
0: jock and you're just like, I got a name. No, no it was just
1: one of those classes. In the TV show community, They always have an episode, like every year, where Jeff Winger tries to come up with the ultimate blow-off class. The blow-off class, class. yeah. And, you know, I think the first year it was like pottery. And then, uh, you know, he keeps having these classes that are just, like, you know, it's supposed to be so easy that you don't have to do anything and you just get automatic college credit for it. And so basically that's what this creative writing class was. Some days our teacher would be like, write a story about this. And what would happen was everybody would turn and start talking to their friends. And that's how the rest of the class went. Uh, very few people might actually write something. Other times, the teacher would just tell us stories about what it was like in Vietnam. Or so, just something, he'd just sit there and talk about stuff. The whole It was not like I'm talking about writing and how to be a writer or anything. We're, I remember him telling a story about what it was like to go to the bathroom In the porta-potties or whatever, and, you know, stuff happening. You see a tracer fire going across the sky in the middle of the night. And and there's the animals that you would have to deal with. It's just weird. I mean, there were cool stories, but it wasn't creative writing. And that's what this class was. So this was the ultimate blow-off class? So it was. It was the ultimate blow-off class, and there was very little uh, actual writing done. But I think I may have written... Two or three stories the whole time we were in this class. And one of them, I want to say it was like you were supposed to write a story about... Maybe it had something to do with cutting class. I can't remember what it was. But anyways, he gave us a prompt, and I actually wrote something with it. And uh, I remember there was a point in the story where my character, which was me, was out... Somewhere, And then somebody crashes into his car. Not when he was in it. He was actually out of the car. And maybe, I think he was headed toward it to get into it and get back. And uh, then somebody crashes into his car and it explodes. And he goes, oh, shh. And then it just went dot, dot, dot. Didn't even actually finish saying the phrase. Well, somehow, my dad happened to walk past was standing over my shoulder was nearby or something when i was working on this story and he saw that little shh, dot 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 and he looked at it and he, and he said big he probably he didn't actually say big because as you I've were little said, in those days and he said something else which i'm not going to divulge here so that mask doesn't come off and people at my work find out my real name. anyways he said to me I don't want you to write stories like that, and that was really upsetting to me for some reason. But and he I, hadn't read the story. He hadn't read the story. He it just, just saw didn't like that A S- little H- bit. H- he saw dot, dot, that dot. oh, I'm I'm using a, a f- reference to foul language, and that was enough to upset him. And he didn't want me to write stories like that. And I thought. Maybe I'm a bad person for doing that. You know, it's a kind of thing. When you're young enough, you, you think something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that always that's something that I always remembered. Do I pull my punches or do I go for it? And it took me a long time to get to the point where I'm like, no, I go for it. The story has to be true for it to work you can't pull your punches because I've read store. I've read books and stories and stuff where people did pull their punches and they were awful. They're boring. They're so saccharine sweet that you want to just kill yourself rather than read this. They make you give up. You're just like, Oh, come on. Is this seriously the best you've got? And, um, Yeah, I mean, it was an experience, obviously I still remember it, 23 years later. So it stuck with me. It was uh, an interesting moment. I don't know if I immediately thought, geez, my dad's trying to censor me (laughs) or what. But when you talk about who reads your stories, who might read your stories, I had a similar experience with my wife. She likes to read. She doesn't like to listen to audiobooks at all. But she likes to read a lot. And when I first started writing stuff, uh, first seriously started writing stuff, I would show her my stories and ask her to read them and want her opinion from it. Um, unfortunately... The kind of story that I write is not the kind of story that she likes to read. Or maybe that's fortunate. I don't know, to tell you the truth. I've had similar reactions from my sister, too, where I've given her stories of mine to read, and she reads them, and she's just like, Ah, they're too creepy. I can't take it. I can't read your stories. They're too whatever.
0: But that's not a compliment. It's not, (laughs) your story was supposed to be scary,
1: and it sure was. It's. I didn't enjoy reading your story. Well, they didn't enjoy it, but it's not. It, it, was, it was sure was though. You know what I'm saying? She. There was a time when I tried to get my sister to read Stephen King book, and she couldn't handle those either. Stephen King's books, especially the ones from that time, they're not bad books. He's a good writer. His stories are well done. Sometimes they're less awesome than others, but. Yeah, and she couldn't handle that either. She's just not a, a person that can deal with horror well. And I wouldn't say that my wife can't deal with horror. She really disliked the endings that I would tend to put on my stories, which everybody dislikes the endings I put on my stories. They're always unhappy. But there was a time where she made comments about a story that I was in the process of writing, and it totally derailed me. And that... I think was when I decided I really need to not show her anything, until I have finished writing it. Later, I wrote a story, and she basically made a similar comment to my dad, where she's just like, "Oh, I don't think pe- the people in your story should be like this. I think they should be nicer people." Was basically her comment, and I thought, "But the, the character is not that person. I can't. I, I'm." I'm writing about real people. I can't make them all... I'm not writing stories for YA or whatever it is that's younger than YA. I want to say it's middle middle grade. grade. I'm not writing those. I'm writing a story about a guy who found a revenge crystal and he used this crystal to take revenge on people and it killed people and it was bad. This is not a story for children. It's for adults. And it's the weird thing because my wife would read stories. She reads all sorts of murder mysteries, murder mysteries, James Patterson, where the, the characters are just awful. And even the good guys, they're not perfect. They do bad things. They do wrong things. And because somebody else wrote them, she was fine with that. And she'll read it and read it and read it and love it. Mm-hmm. But when I write it, it has to be to some completely different standard, which was really upsetting to me, I have to admit. That was when I thought, you know what, it's a good thing that she doesn't like to read my stories. And I probably need to just not show them to her. Because she doesn't she doesn't like them, they're not the kind of story that she wants to read. So, you know, making her read them is not making her happy. And then on top of it, What she's going to say about it is going to make me unhappy, so I just need to not do that. My first reader needs to be somebody else. And so, yeah, I don't show her my stories anymore, and I'm kind of glad that she's not interested in them, just as I'm kind of glad she's not interested in the podcast. There may come a day when she decides she does want to read them again, and I don't know... You'll be dead, remember? Same as your son. Yeah, maybe that'll be why, that if she does... Before then, then yeah, I might have some interesting questions to answer. I don't know. We'll have to see. But yeah, it's it's a really hard thing to be an artist, and to deal with other people's opinions of you because of that, because of decisions you made with your art. If you're an actor, what roles you chose to to take, and when you're an actor, you just take what you can get, really, because you're desperate for money. Because actors. They don't work all that much, you know? They get a job and then they often are jobless for months and months on end. I want to say it was Tootsie was the movie where... You were playing a tomato! Dustin Hoffman goes to a party or something like that with a bunch of other actors and they say, uh, yeah, you know, it's what acting is all about. Being unemployed! (laughs) You know, and uh, you, you do what you can. You make the best art you can and you have to do what you have to do to make it work you have to really play the part to be real about it you can't hold back i'm sure there are lots of actors out there that would prefer not to say some of the things that they say or not to do some of the things that they do but they're playing a character they're not being themselves basically they're not saying it the character is saying it they have to do it and it's the same way with with a story writer you know you write a story you have to be true sometimes a story wants to go a certain direction and yours almost
0: always do <laughs> there has to have been a time where you're like no i want them all to live happily ever after because uh you know i'm i have a kid right you know whatever it is where your natural tendency is just like well hey good wins in the end But the story wanted to go in a place where it wanted to go. Good did not triumph over evil. I don't know. Just yesterday, I was watching an interview with an actor. And I don't know if it matters who the actor was. But she said, I will not play a truly evil person. And, you know, I didn't even blink. I didn't care. I was just like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But, wow, what actor can just say that? Make this blanket statement. And they have enough money to say, oh, you know, I, I, I will not play that part. If somebody offered me that job, I could turn it down or whatever. It's like, you go where the money is. Yeah. You take whatever role is given you. And, and, and I, it is similar, I think, in a way. You know, that, that there may be, you know, super religious folk who are actors that are given a, you're a rapist or you're a racist or you're a, whatever thing you don't believe in, that's what you are. And if you're a real actor, you do it. And I I don't know, I feel that way with the writing, definitely. I've been writing, I I wrote recently that that Western, the sequel to Birth of a Sidekick, and I had to decide whether or not to use a certain word. (sighs) I think I even texted you at the time, and I was like, wow, shoot. There's a character, and I, I know that in, you know, the 1800s, at least in the era when this story is set, this word would get used. But in the 21st century, we don't use this word. And that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, well, do you write the story true or do you pull your punches? And I I don't know. That That's a line I guess you have to decide. But with the podcasting thing, do I podcast true? Am I myself 100%? The weird thing is just today, you know, that same podcast I was telling you about where I started to tell an intimate story of myself, I talked about Big once let his wife read A Work in Progress. (laughs) Just today on my show, I told my point of view of that story, and my point of view was Big wrote about a character who was a little bit like me, and Big's wife said, this character is friggin' pathetic. (laughs) Why would anybody want to read about a loser like this. Now, they, those may not be word for word, <laughs> but that is a very close approximation to what she said. Now, of course, that's my point of view because I know that the character, you know, was, was a loser. And what I was likening it to was how much of myself do I let come through on a podcast? How intimate can I be? How much can I show of who I truly am? Of am having the mask come off kind of thing. Because there's some ugly stuff, or there's some embarrassing stuff, or that You know, we're talking about boners again. And I just... I don't know. But, you know, sometimes people do ugly things, or they say ugly things, or they make mistakes. And, you know, when we were talking about Daredevil, we were talking about violence on that show has consequences. And a lot of times in entertainment, there's no consequences. Yeah. But, you know, people do things. And lots of times they're bad things. And sometimes they don't even know that they're bad or whatever, but it's a human condition. Everybody should be able to relate to that sort of thing. And if you can't relate to it, then you should be reading children's fiction. And I think if you're writing stories for children... You know, good can always triumph. And, yeah. and you can always pull your punches. And you can yeah. always say, you know, you don't the, use the, the, language the man you and use. the woman liked each other very much. So one day they held hands. You know, what? or whatever it is. And they lived happily ever after. And that's all they ever did was hold hands. Gosh, I hate that kind of crap. But I'm not the audience. I'm not the target audience. You know, if, if you're writing for a kid, I, God, that's fine. That's cool. Anyhow, uh, these are lines that you have to decide whether you're going to cross and all that. And I don't really have a a first reader, you know? You would say, okay, well, maybe my wife shouldn't be my first reader. I mean, it would be neat if there was somebody that I gave everything to and I couldn't wait to find out what they thought. And if they liked it, then that meant it was a successful story, which I guess is sort of going along with what we're talking about. (laughs) But yeah, there were times when you know, I knew so-and-so was going to read it. And so I was like, well, I sort of wanted the character to do this, but no, now he's not going to do that. And I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, you sharing with your wife or your dad saying you didn't want you to write stories like that. It affects the story that you tell. And maybe the story is better if he doesn't do that thing that you were originally going to have him do. But we wanted it to be a, truer story we wanted it to be the story that it wanted to be
1: what are the ellison's laws can you give me harlan ellison's laws harlan ellison just adapted them and they're actually heinlein's laws oh i'm sorry okay go ahead what are they uh he has five i want to say they are laws where basically rule number one law number one you must write
0: okay and sometimes that's the hardest rule there. That yeah, was,
1: seriously. The
0: hardest one to uh, achieve.
1: Rule number two.
0: You must, you must finish, finish what, what you, write. you write.
1: So you start something, you finish it. That That's a hard sucker sometimes. Uh, rule number three. You do not rewrite. Unless to uh, editorial. an editorial request. And Harlan Ellison, this is where he added... Only if you agree with that editorial request. You don't just bend over and take it because he's an editor. You have to see that, okay, this request is actually going to make it better. Number four was you must submit what you write for publication. And then number five was you must keep that circulating until it is sold you do not, you know, get one rejection and then say, "Oh, okay. I'm done." Basically, and this is that's a really interesting thing. You have this inner voice. Dean Wesley Smith wrote about these laws just very recently. He talks a lot about two voices that you have. You have your critical voice and your creative voice. Your creative voice is where you go to get your stories and what you use when you're writing and then you have your critical voice, which is what it sounds like. I mean, it's critical. It's, it's like a critic. It's saying, oh, this is no good or that is no good. And your critical voice will try to keep you from writing. Basically, your critical voice is there to make things safe for you. You'll never get made fun of. You'll never run into problems if you don't write. Because, you you know, there's nothing for anyone to judge and your critical voice will try and get you to not finish what you write. It will get you to stop. You'll be writing, and then they'll say, this is no good. You should really just quit. This is, this is not what you want. You, should, you need to stop. You don't rewrite, because your critical voice, when you're done, will say, you know what? This is not good. You need to, you need to give it another pass, because it, there's probably some things that need to be fixed. Your critical voice will try and keep you from getting it out there so that someone can make fun of it. Someone can write you a bad review or something. So it'll try and keep you from sending your stories out. And your critical voice will also try and get you to quit after you get one rejection or two or three because it'll say, oh, it must be no good. You don't need to put it out there anymore and risk more rejection. So basically it's a way to beat the voices that will tell you to quit. That was the post I I was saying I wanted you to read. I I meant to show to you because I I struggle with a lot of those issues, and I think you struggle with some of them as well. I think we struggle with different ones.
0: Yeah, my critical voice is the one that gets all the boners. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. (laughs) No, my critical voice is, yeah, like an opera singer. And then my uh, creative voice, I guess he's much more of like the stammering. Uh, a soft-spoken guy who... uh, Jeff Goldblum type. (laughs) Running and uh, screaming. Ooh. Yeah, it would be neat if if it were the opposite, you know. If my creative voice were all muscular and pushing me around. But, you know, again, that's why we're podcasting. That's why we're trying. You know, We're trying to psych ourselves up. We're trying to say we're going to do something and hope that people hold us accountable for it, even if it's just... The two of us reminding us and holding us accountable for it. And I'm sure that there are people much more eloquent than us that have talked about being true, writing things that are true, writing the tr- What what is it I'm trying to say? I'm trying to come up with a title for this podcast. But you know what I mean? Just like true, letting the story be lies. what it is <laughs> and not fencing it in and saying no no somebody might get upset or you know aunt gladys again yeah and i yeah i would like to read one of those if only to say oh okay okay so it's okay if i do this you know i'm a big believer in intent and you know i guess we have pissed a lot of people off in the things that we've done on our podcasts or whatever but i i don't think that we intended to we tend to make people laugh or make people interested, make people keep listening, make people write, go out and be creative and achieve their goals and remember that their mountain is waiting. And it's just like there's a lot of things positive that we want people to get out of our show. It's not just complaining about stuff, but if there's something we're upset about, we're going to complain about it and it makes you feel better. <laughs> it makes you feel good. I, I You know, I... Yeah. This is free therapy, really, this podcast. And uh, that's all I've got to say about that.
1: Yeah, it's it's nice to be able to do a podcast. It's nice to be able to put things out there. It's really nice to hear back from listeners who say that they found what we talked about to be interesting, to be worthwhile, to be something they wanted to talk about as well, to put in their two cents in the comments or whatever. That's really cool to know that there's somebody out there and there's somebody listening. You know, the other day somebody linked to a blog post on Facebook. And I went to this blog post. You know, people link to blog posts on Facebook all the time. Basically, three out of four posts are links to blogs, it seems. And so I clicked on it, not thinking it was any different than anything else, but sort of interested I went to it, it was a blog post about a woman who had lost a lot of weight, and she was talking about what it's like. She was talking about you know the before and after thing, and she was basically to the after point now. And I thought, this is really interesting, and I went back to the start of her blog. She'd started it several years ago, and I started reading her posts from the beginning up to the present. I didn't even finish the one that was actually it was actually linked to. Instead, I wanted to hear about her whole journey from becoming... Because I'm kind of in that same journey. And she had a lot of really interesting stuff to say. And then finally, I got to that same post that had been linked to. This, the whole time as I was going through, there'd be a post. And it'd say, oh, there are three comments. And it'd go, oh, there's six comments or whatever. And then I got to the post that had been linked to. And it said there was 1,013 comments. And I went, whoa! It's weird. And, and she had very few posts. When she started her blog, she had maybe four posts a month. She did that for three months. And then it went down to like one post a month. And then it quickly went to like one post every six months or so. So I read through her entire blog in the space of a day. And then I got to that, and... When I started going back to read, that was her last post, was the one that she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Then she had another post after that, which was basically talking about, holy crap, this thing completely blew up. I was not expecting my last post to go viral, <laughs> but somehow it did. And now I've got, instead of, you know, a hundred readers, I now have a million readers or something, whatever it was that she wound up with. But yeah, her post was all about her her blog itself was called Can Anybody Hear Me was the name of it. And that's what she finished that post with. You know, she talked about how she may be in the after stage, but she's still that same person. That same person that weighed a hundred pounds more than she does now. People say, Oh, you look better now. But she's still that same person. She just looks different. That same person that was there before is still here after. And, uh, you know, she still has issues with food and still has problems. And people, they don't see those anymore because she looks like a perfect, thin, you know, person that she's supposed to be. And uh, she's just wondering if anybody can actually see who she really is. And then suddenly, bam, there's a thousand comments from people. So... It's kind of therapy like that. Basically, was what she was doing was she was putting out, I have this issue, and I'm trying to work through it. And she would talk about each little thing as she went. Oh, I had this setback. And she would talk about, you know, even if you gain five pounds, you know, you haven't failed. You tried. You worked on it. You did something. Even if you lost this weight and then gained it all back. You haven't failed. Just putting in the effort is worth something. You know, that's always my trouble is writing. You have to write. Rule number one. You know, I write some and then I stop. And I don't write for a month or more. That doesn't mean that I've failed. It's like the comment. I have uh, my other podcast. And uh, there's uh, a bunch of inspirational quotes. And one of the quotes is, today is the first day. It's day one. This is where we make the future. You know, that's the way it is always. Every day is day one. You can start over any time. You can turn it around anytime. time. And you take all the experience that you have from before and just add to it. Uh, it. This is definitely therapy. And it's definitely making a support system. You talked about having first readers. I put a post out on Facebook. Asking if anybody would like to be my first reader. And I got a bunch of volunteers that said, yeah, I'll do that. I sent out a couple stories to these people. A few of them I've already heard back from. Some of them I still, I'm still waiting to hear what they have to say about my stories. But I sent them my two most recent stories just to see what needs to be done. What typos they have what logical uh, issues they might have, that kind of stuff, but also what I'm weak at, what I need to improve on. And uh, I wouldn't have these first readers, as I've said. You know, my wife doesn't like to read my stuff. (laughs) My kids are too young to read my stuff. I guess you could be my first reader, but that's probably about all I got. And when it comes down to it, you and I don't have time to read each other's stuff, or else we won't be writing our own stuff. So it's nice to have somebody that can give me that and I can only get that because of the podcast and because of putting myself out there and, uh, finding that somebody can hear me. I don't know. It's pretty cool. And that's all I got to say. All right. We both (laughs) Forrest Gumped.
0: I guess we will leave people until next week. But yeah, this is the year we're going to write novels and, uh. It is not a little hill to climb, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know our mountain is waiting and all that stuff, <laughs> but a novel is a big deal. Or at least for me and maybe once we start writing I'll be like, "You know what? It wasn't a big deal. Holy cow, it was it was easy. Why have I not been doing this for years?" That was, it was the only best. Only one
1: page longer than my last story. <laughs> well, in my case that may be
0: <laughs> true, but the fact that we're going to do this difficult thing I, and you know what, if it weren't difficult, then everybody would do it. And maybe you go to Amazon self-publishing, <laughs> you know, Kindle direct publishing, and you discover that everybody does do it. Yeah. But it's not something I've done before, and so uh, I need the encouragement. I need to know that somebody is listening. Is that what What did the woman say?
1: Can anybody hear me?
0: Can anybody hear me? I need to know that. And I, I hope that uh, when, you know, it gets tough and when it gets difficult, to continue, and are like, oh shoot, yeah, I'm just gonna chalk this up as a bad experience. That I'll know that, no, you know, people heard me say I was gonna do this, and they're gonna hold me to it. And more importantly, I'm gonna hold me to it. Gosh, I, I, it would just be really, really cool to be at the end of that, our equivalent of that woman's blog, and say, you know, I did it, here is my book. And it's about this, and you can buy it if you'd like over at this link. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> that's just in whatever the near future. Yeah. That day, but you know, I, I know that there are going to be obstacles and there are going to be moments when we stumble and all that. But it just—it's it's what we've decided to do. And so, I, once again, you know, we're uh, we're committed to this, and uh, and we've got an an outlet. We've got a whatever this is that we're doing right now—it's uh, a forum—and uh, yeah, we like to hear that people are listening like to hear that people care. And so I expect a friggin' thousand comments on this episode. <laughs> I, I want it right now. Pause it. We haven't even got to the license agreement. Pause it and put a comment on there. I'm not screwing around. Good luck, Don't make man. me bring California Rish in here to talk about how much better he is than you. You just comment right now. I've been Rish
1: Outfield. And I'm Vic Yankovic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be well.
0: Please, sir, that gets my goat is produced under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. But you're free to steal it.
1: I was going somewhere with this and I've completely forgotten. What were we talking about before I started in on this story? I'm going to roll out the windows because I'm getting slightly chilly. I don't know if you're getting chilly, are you? No, my heat keeps
0: me warm. Oh, good. Did you want to finish on some other note? No, that's fine.